everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance Podcast. My name is Bree, and today I am joined by friend of the podcast, like fan favorite, Nan Reinhardt is here. Nan, first off, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Bree. I'm delighted to be here. So happy to be chatting with you. And I mean, we already shared it, but like it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. And to you and to everyone out there who's a mom or has a mom or mom's someone. Yeah. And I will link it in the show notes. But I mean, I always reference your blog because I just love the fact that you update your blog so much. And you did, of course, share a Mother's Day post. And you shared a beautiful picture of your mother. You shared a beautiful photo of your son and your grand boy, and your daughter-in-law. I don't know. I, I've been thinking a lot about like mother-daughter relationships. So I, I guess like and you know, and you you lost your mom. You share that in your post. It's been like what, like thirty five years? Yeah, she died very young at the age of sixty of a massive sudden heart attack. It was a huge shock to to me and my siblings. It was just like suddenly she was gone. And That's so crazy. Yeah. That was hard. I guess as as I guess my question is like the longer that time goes that you like the distance between the last time you and you you shared like you actually spent some time with her and then like six months afterwards she's gone like yes how did I guess how do you feel about your relationship now like if you look back are there lessons that you feel like you've you pick up on now that she taught you once upon a time that you're like oh now that I've had so much time since the last time I saw her this really sticks like I wish I could call her and be like you were right like I don't know when you think about your mom and your relationship with her you know, before you lost her, like, how does it feel? What do you, what do you think? I, I feel like I'm, I know her better now and I'm more accepting of her now. My mom was an old hippie. She was born about 20 years too soon. And she, I mean, if she could have been at Woodstock, she so totally would have been there, but she had four little ones at the time. So she couldn't be. And, um, and a single mom at that. And a single mom. Yeah. A single mom. And so she wasn't, she just was this this kind of out there person and you know she dressed crazy and she just she just was out there and I at the time when I was you know first married and first had my son I was much more conservative than I am now if that's the word I want to use and so it drove me crazy that she was so such a you know such a free kind of person Mm -hmm. and I see now how wonderful that was that she could be that you know Um, and so our relationship was strained for a while. And then when I went out there right before she passed, of course, I didn't know she was going to pass. We really talked and had a great time. And I really kind of got to know her as an adult instead of seeing her through the eyes of her daughter. You know what I mean? And so it was, it was a wonderful visit. I just was so happy to be there and be with her. And we had so much fun. We drove, we drove from San Francisco down to Carmel and we, just had a terrific time. And I, every day I think of her, I know that sounds crazy. And I talk about her a lot, even though she's been gone for 35 years. I just, I think she would just get such a kick out of who I have become, especially since I've been writing, because she believed in me as a writer from the time I was able to hold a pencil. She kept telling me, you're going to be a writer, you're going to be a writer. And I didn't believe that about it. I mean, I, I wrote, but I didn't believe I'd ever like be published, you know. Mm-hmm. And so ever since I've been published, I just, I think of mom a lot because I think she would be 
first of all, very proud. And second of all, so excited, you know, to be a part. She, she'd want to be a part of all of it because that's how she was. So it's, it's, um, she is, she was just a very unusual character, but she was one of the few people I knew in the world who could just truly love unconditionally. And that was, that's something I think that I learned from her that, you know, you just, you just take people where they're at and be okay with it. You know? Yeah. Where do you think her free spiritedness, spiritedness came from when you think back on it? I think because her mother repressed her so terribly. Okay. As soon as she got out from underneath her mother's thumb and then my father's, she, she just thought, you know, I'm going to be me. And if you don't like Muriel, then you don't have to be with Muriel, but this is who I am. And she did, you know, a lot of people didn't like who she was. But it's okay. They didn't have to, you know. She liked who she was. She liked who she was very much. And she was a reader. Oh, my star, she was a reader. And she read to us. I think I've posted about that before. She read to us all the time until I was 18 years old. She read to us every summer. And so that's where I got my love of language, my love of books, my love of words. That all came from her. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I think that's where I am. I'm like... I feel like sometimes I can be really hard on my mom. And I don't know if it's because I'm the oldest. I mean, she had me when she was 17. So sometimes I feel almost like sister-ish with her. I mean, I very much know that she's my mom, but I feel like sometimes like we don't have certain conversations because it's like maybe she doesn't feel comfortable coming to me because it, it just feels like it, it almost feels sisterly sometimes. And I'm like, why are you so hard on her? And I think it's like you said, like, I need that moment where I finally, it finally clicks for me that like, she's a human and she lived a lot of life before you came along. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. You, ma'am, have a new book out. That was fantastic as usual. Your voice is like so distinct. And I feel like I don't say this very often, but then I, when, but when it hits, it hits so right. Like you're one of those authors that like, if you don't see, if you ripped off the cover within a few chapters, you could be like, this is a Nan Reinhardt. Um, can you talk a little, talk a little bit about voice? Cause I, I know for me, I have been very slowly writing, but that is the part of it that I struggle the most. I, and I think it's because Having gotten out of the military in 2019, I still feel like I'm a military police officer, like (laughs) investigating someone. And I'm like, this is not romantic. It's not swoon worthy. So talk about voice. Can you talk about voice? I am sure (laughs) I can come up from, I can, I actually kind of come at it from a couple of different places as an editor. First, I'm going to talk to you about it as an editor, as an editor, I have learned as I've learned to to be a fiction editor, that voice is so important. It's just so absolutely necessary to leave the author's voice to them because every author has their own distinct voice. And I may or may not like the voice of the author I'm editing, but it's important for me to respect the the voice of the author that I'm editing. Um, I never really thought about myself as having a very distinctive voice. Um, I write, I write what I want to write. I, um, you know, and the stories are there in my head and I just dump them out. A lot of times it's the characters that are telling the story and I'm just along for the ride, you know, but um, which sounds, makes me sound a little crazy. No, no. But on the other hand, you know, <laughs> no one's put me away yet and they're publishing the book. So something must be working. Um, but I think that voice is just your own personality coming out in your stories. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so 
I've, I've never really thought about myself as being a particularly interesting person. So when people are like, you know, they want to know about me, I'm like, why? But, you know, I'm pretty boring. <laughs> but I, but the books, you know, I know that the books are not boring. And one of the things that my editor has said to me several times, actually, is I love, I love your voice. And I love the fact that there's always something in every book that makes me go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And I'm like, okay, good. I'm glad, <laughs> you know, and it isn't that I'm constantly thinking, oh, I want to put something in the book that's going to going to hit people. It's just more like, this is where the story goes. That doesn't make sense, I guess. It but does no, make maybe sense. It does. I was about to say, like, you do know. you remember what the moment that took them by surprise with this book was? In this book, I think it was when they called her back. Okay. To uh, come back to Washington. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't and expecting she, that, but then I was kind of expecting that. When she realized that this person that she had 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 so much respect for for so many years wasn't who she thought she was. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then that she had to go and be in that and, you know, kind of be mired in it. And here she had been living this life for the past six months or seven months or so, you know, falling in love and getting back into her into her town and with her family and, you know, really chilling out about everything that had happened previously in Washington. And now she realizes, you know, this it wasn't her. It was it was the congresswoman. So this one isn't quite as dramatic as, you know, the tornado in the doctor book. <laughs> um, you know, we all have our I, big moments, you know, but um, and the next book in this series has the hero has type one diabetes. I'll tell you that. And um, so that makes for an interesting story between he and he and the heroine, who is Joe, Jazz's sister. And so there and there's a moment there that, you know, I think when people read it, they're going to go, oh, we weren't expecting that. So I don't know. It's We're talking about Home to River's Edge. So this is book one in your new Weaver Sisters series. Um, can you do an overview of the book? I mean, before we get into it. Well, uh, the Weaver Sisters are the triplets who whose family owns the marina in River's Edge, my little town on the Ohio River. Um, and Jasmine is has been away for, well, essentially for 15 years. She went away to college and then she moved to Washington, D.C. and worked her way up to being the chief of staff for a congresswoman. And then she found out something about the congresswoman that was unsavory. And so she went to her and talked to her about it and the congresswoman fired her. And so she left. She lost when she went to speak to her boyfriend, who's a lobbyist about it, he told her she was being a baby and to stop yeah. acting like an idiot. Oh gosh, that like burned me up. <laughs> I know. I was like, you turkey. Anyway, um, so she just, she sold her condo and she left and all of her friends there sort of abandoned her, which was, I think, quite startling for her. She wasn't expecting that, but they just ghosted her, everybody. So she came back home and the first thing she did when she got back home was run into the back of her old boyfriend literally into his car literally literally i was like this is such a nan reinhardt <laughs> meet cute <laughs> and he is um he's Eli elias walker and he's the head of walker construction his family construction business and we've we have met eli uh, or we've heard about Eli anyway. In previous books, his family is the construction company in town, and so they we've mentioned them now and again. But um, Elias um, was engaged to a woman that he was very deeply in love with, and she died right in front of him. Actually, she had an aneurysm, and she died right in front of him. And so he's dealing with grief, and he's sitting on the side of the road trying to work up the courage to go up to the house that he had been building for for he and his fiance Amy, and. Um, he hadn't been up there since she died. 
and he had promised himself he was going to go up there before the end of the year and it's new year's eve and it's almost dark and so he's sitting there trying to work up the courage to do it and she ran into him she swerved to avoid hitting a deer and ran into the back of his bmw and she is just outraged and I had such a good time writing this scene because there he is saying to his, you know, talking to his girlfriend who's dead or his fiance who's dead, just give me a sign, just send me a sign. Yeah. And then his old girlfriend from high school hits him with her car. Hits him with her car. And, and he didn't even, at that point, he didn't even realize she was a sign until she handed him. She had a bottle of Jack in the car and she was so upset and just ranting and raving. And she grabbed the back, the bottle of Jack out of the back of the car and took a big slug of it and then offered it to him. And he thought, oh, Jack, that's that was Amy's favorite drink. And then it hit him. You're the sign. You're the sign. And so he drags <laughs> her up there with him. And she's like, I have no idea what's going on. And she's completely, you know, completely clueless. But as it turns out, they have a moment up there where they both decide together that they're going to try to fix their lives. Yeah. She tells him what happened to her and he tells her about Amy dying and how his life has been. And they just decide, you know, let's be friends and let's fix ourselves. And then we'll check back in. Well, as it turned out, they checked back in a lot quicker than six months. But anyway, so it's just a story of the two of them getting their lives back together. And as it happens, they belong together to do it. What made you choose, because I love, I love, I don't know what this says about me, but I love grief story <laughs> plots and romance novels. I don't know if it's just, we're, we're all going to experience grief throughout our lives. Yes. Um, so I think in a way it's kind of a hopeful thing. It's like, I know that I'm going to like my maternal grandmother, she's my last living grandparent and she's really going through it right now. And I, I feel like I'm grieving her loss already. Although I'm like, you could totally go before her, you know, kind of thing. But just like <laughs> thinking about you the know. fact that one day I may not be able to call her kind of thing. Uh, so I, I think when I read stories like this, like there's, there's hope, even if it's not like, super harped on you know it's like you do see Elias move on from Amy you know like he still grieves or you can tell he still loves her but like he has to pick up his life um yes. what made you choose that route rather than you know they were married and they got divorced or like something totally different why why do you choose that for him I, I wanted Eli to be first of all I wanted Eli, you know, my, you know, my beta heroes, I don't write alphas very well. I don't really write them at all. The guy I'm writing right now is the closest to an alpha I've ever come. But anyway, my heroes are all beta heroes, soft, gentle, sweet, old marshmallow guys. And Eli is no exception. And I, I also wanted the reader to see how much love he's capable of yeah. because he's coming back into Jasmine's life. He broke up with her three days before prom when they were seniors in high school. And although, you know, that's long ago, long ago in its history and neither of them are harping on it, it's still, you know, that's her last memory of him is, you know, dumping cheese fries in his lap when he, the next day. So, you know, she's not, she's, she's got, there's no love lost between the two of them at this point. But I wanted, I wanted her to see how deeply he's grieving because it not just, it didn't only show her who he was in his heart, but also how capable he is of love. And I hate it when people write write someone grieving, but then all of a sudden the new person in their life becomes so much better than the person they're grieving. I didn't want that to happen. I wanted Amy to remain a big part of who Eli is. And so I hope I managed to do that. I hope that throughout the whole book, we saw Eli not comparing Jasmine to, to Amy, but rather learning that he can love a second time. 
Yeah. And her accepting that Amy was always going to be in her life if she was going to love Eli. Oh, what you did at the end. I was like, okay, yeah, Jazz (laughs) totally understands the assignment here. (laughs) That was was, beautiful. Oh, thank you. That was, uh, that that took a while for me to sort out how I was going to do that because I really wanted, I really wanted Amy to be in the end of the book and I couldn't figure out a way to do it. And then all of a sudden it hit me. Okay, now that's how we can do it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit ago, but like, um, sometimes it's the characters or, or like a scene that comes to you. Was it the meet cute between those two that like came to you first? Like when you sat down to write their romance, like what was it first? Well, you know, it's funny because I started this book twice. Um, The first time I started it, it, I couldn't move it. You know, the story was there in my head. I knew what I wanted to happen, but I just couldn't get it to move past the first couple of chapters. So I sent them to my editor. I said, what is going on here? And she said, I think you need to start more in the action because I, I started writing about her coming home. That's where I started was her driving home. And then the next chapter was him trying to go up to the house. She said, put them together. My, my editor's brilliant. Sinclair Sane, she's the most amazing person in the world. And so she said, just put them together. That's all you have to do. Just put them together. She goes and bring it right, you know, bring them right in and have them see each other almost immediately. So I thought, how can I do that? <laughs> so yeah. I just took the scene I had of her driving and had her swerve to miss a deer and run into the back of him. <laughs> so is there, is there a thing as an editor with the start of a book being the character driving? I mean, When you have your character driving, something happens. Either we hit someone or we get pulled over for driving on the wrong side of the road. Oh, yeah. That happened too, didn't it? Yeah. So yours is like, (laughs) yours yours is always action. But like I've heard like word on the street is there are editors that are like, don't start your book with the character driving. But then I think of your book and I'm like, your books. And I'm like, when Nan does it, something is about to happen and you're not spending too much time on the fact that they're driving. Like we meet Jazz, she's driving and then boom she's ran into the back of her ex high school sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of like starting with a woman looking with somebody looking in the mirror. That's, that's a common trope for people to start by, you know, she's standing there looking in the mirror. If it works, man, do it. But I, those, both those driving books just, you know, it it was just felt right (laughs) to do it that way because it was, it was bringing people to where they were going to meet the person that they're going to be involved with. And so, you know, I had, I actually had them first meeting up at the winery at the party and Mm. it was too, it was too late then. And I couldn't, there was nothing to develop. You know what I mean? There was nothing, there was no story to develop up there. The story had to happen with just the two of them. And that scene is brilliant because (laughs) thank you. they try to like, they try to play it off. Like they haven't ran into each other already. (laughs) And like, this is, I, I mean, I, I, we're going to talk about small town romance, but like so much that you've already said has like hit on my thoughts of like why small town romance is just so fun because it's like you mentioned the cheese fries and the whole high school, him leaving her before prom in a small town. People remember that, right? Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. like, them two walking into this party at the winery, it's like, oh, we see you two walk in not too long apart from one another kind of thing. Like people remember that. So it was just so funny to see them trying to navigate like, oh no, like nothing's happened. We just kind of ran each other and said hi or whatever. Yeah. 
her sisters are are very um they're all defensive of each other they you know they really protect each other because they're triplets you know and that's mm -hmm. there's a special bond more than i think more than just sisters and siblings but they they're so close to each other and that was one way the sisters still being mad at Eli 15 years later. <laughs> that was one way of showing, you know, that we're going to take care of her. So anyway, well, I do love that. It is a series about sisters. Uh, why did you want to go the, the triplets route? Well, it's really a dumb reason, but, um, I know some identical triplets. I have some friends, Patty, Paula, and Pam, who are uh, <laughs> identical triplets. And um, uh, they've, they've just been so fun to know, you know, mm -hmm. and you can see so much of each of them in each other. And um, it's, a, it's a really close relationship. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes it's it's hard. You can see that it is, and other times it's just wonderful, just like any sibling relationship. Um, but I just thought, how fun would it be for these for these girls to be identical triplets? But not let that be a theme in the stories. Because I love that, that like um, they all wear their hair different, so you can kind of tell them yeah. apart because of that. Yeah, yeah, and they all, you know, they at one point in this book, they talk about dressing alike for something. And, and one of them's like, no, we're not doing that. We haven't done that <laughs> since fifth grade. We're not doing it. But then, you know, you also know, you know, that one time some, one of them took a math test for the other because they weren't going to, you know, and so, you know, triplet stuff. For Jazz, for her, for her profession, like, how did that come to you? And like, what, did you do any kind of research? Because I, I felt like, um, especially when she goes to the boyfriend and like she's like reaching out to people, she's still in Washington. The way that they all treated her felt so real. Like that fear, or not even necessarily fear, but like we aren't going against this person felt so real, man. So like talk about that that part of the book. Because uh, even she gets back to River's Edge She's cozy. She's she's kind of she's moving on. But there's always I mean, I think as a reader, it always looms over your head that like she went through something in Washington, D.C. Like this can't be done yet, whether they call her back or like the lady starts popping up all over the news. Like we're not done here yet. Like it's such a serious thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I will tell you the truth. One of my favorite TV shows in the whole world is West Wing. Okay. I've seen the West Wing. I've seen every episode at least four times. And I love the vibe there, that that Aaron Sorkin sort of inside the beltway, you know, kind of vibe. And I knew that I wanted her to be interested in politics. That was just, I don't know, when she talked to me, that's where she was. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't figure out how I wanted to make her. I didn't want to make her someone like a congressperson or something like that. And so um, doing the chief of staff thing was... You know, that was something I thought that could be believable. I did a lot of Googling. Oh, my stars. I Googled the <laughs> socks off everything in Washington. My son um, is a, he works as a national security analyst. And so he was able to provide me with some insider Washington, just not, not really anything government wise, just sort of like, well, if you were standing here, this is what you would see. You know, like when she walks up the steps of the Rayburn building, I didn't know what most of the congressional offices were in another building. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you would see this or you would see that or, you know, um, and I, you know, but mostly it was just Googling, Googling, Googling. That's <laughs> I Google everything. Wow. Yeah. And I read everything I can find right now. I'm the, the book I'm working on is a book about uh, the guy is Eli's brother, Jack, who's the, now the head of the company. And 
the company's having trouble. And so I'm reading about construction and, you know, what happens if they do this or what happens if a construction company does that? So I'm, you think I would be brilliant, but unfortunately none of it stays. Once the book is gone, so is the information. Yeah. I don't really need this anymore. (laughs) Yep. It's gone now, which, you know, as an editor, that's a good thing because I used to editor, I used to edit that, used to edit nonfiction, um, like computer manuals and the, for dummies books. I think I told you that before. Mm-hmm. And if I never remembered everything I read, my, my brain would explode. So, you know, I remember little bits and pieces of things and, or someone will say a word and I'll go, oh, I read that once. You know, I, it doesn't stick. Thank God. Well, what inspired the romance between Jazz and Eli to be a second chance? I I didn't want to bring a new person in, to be very honest. I didn't want to bring another person in because Jazz was new to us, to the readers. And I thought, what, you know, what would be believable? Who would believe, you know, if two, two people came right back into town and fell immediately in love? I, that, that just didn't work for okay. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for her to, to rediscover Eli felt good. I, I thought that that was all part of the coming home thing. And, you know, that was that was the big theme in this book, I think, more than anything else, is that you can come home and life is going to be different and the town is going to be different and your family is going to be different. And, you know, everybody and everything is going to be different, but you can come home and and be back a part of it. You just have to figure out how. So and I thought her starting out at the at at Max was a terrific way for her to get back into the town. I loved it. And it was her idea. She's like. I need a job. He needs help. <laughs> and next yep. thing we know, she's like serving coffee. I loved it. Yep. 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 Are there any difficulties with writing Second Chance for you? I think the hardest thing about writing Second Chance for anybody really is making sure that the people really actually do deserve a second chance. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, second chance romance, at least not a lot of times, but some that I've read, I thought, you know, why is she going back to him? And I didn't want anyone to have that feeling about Jasmine and Eli. I, you know, Eli made a big mistake senior year when he, when he dropped her and she had every right to be really mad at him, but he was 17, he was you know, 17. 17 year olds are stupid. And so he did a stupid thing. And the first thing he did practically when he, when they were meeting on the snowy road was apologize for that. And she was yeah. like, really? My gosh. <laughs> so, you know, I think that you have to make sure that it's believable that they would be back together again and not that, you know, she, either she's a fool or he is. Yeah. I mean, we have to be forgiving of 17 year old boys. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. If that had happened when they were 30, then maybe we might've that wouldn't, I don't think their relationship would have worked, but she'd been gone a long time and he'd gone through, he'd had this whole other life and she'd had a whole other life and they came back as different people. And I think it's, 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 um, oh gosh, those moments. And especially in that moment where he had just was kind of like, was chatting with Amy and like, give me a sign of like these two people who dated back in high school and who probably honestly have not thought anything about each other in the last like 15 years. And then boom, all of a sudden, here we are in the same place. And we realize like, there's like still chemistry there. (laughs) You know, I thought it was I think it's just I love those moments. That moment was just them reconnecting, especially as he's asking for a sign. It's like, oh, yeah, this is this is the juice. This is the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really fun. And um, that little magical thing, I've I haven't done it in every book, but I'm kind of getting into it. I'm sort of having fun with putting just a little magical thing in, you know, yeah. and, you know, just her bringing out the bottle of Jack and 
it was, you know, it, it was something only he would look at and go, oh, that's a sign. But, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and in the next book, got a little extra magic in that one. So and I don't usually write that, but it was fun. It's something different to do. Well, we were talking before we hit record about it feels like small town romances having a very much deserved moment. And I was thinking as I was reading your book, I was like, we hear a lot about um, authors will say basically like you start a family, keep the series going surrounding the family. And I'm like, Nan's so good at basically doing the same thing, but it's, it's community. Like here we are, we're still in the same town with like family members we read in the last series and talk can can you do you feel do you feel like small town romance is having a moment and and in your case like how do you know like I'm not done with this community yet like what what are you having fun about as far as like I mean you're exploring families through the community and you could just literally keep going through that you're right. I could because I love it there. I, just, <laughs> I, I mean, I realize it's fiction and my friends who live in small towns are like, there's no. Look, I <laughs> literally felt like I was at the diner. Like that's how real, oh, like look. once you get into your books, it's like, I literally felt like I just left the diner. Okay. <laughs> that's what, that's what we love to hear. And I have so many readers contact me and say, I want to move to River's Edge. I'm like, yes. yeah, I do too. <laughs> it's a shame. It's not real, isn't it? Um, I think it feels like it is because of you know there there's a lot of uh, or there's a couple three brand new small town kind of series on like on netflix virgin river and um they're doing a new one called sullivan's crossing i'm not sure if that's netflix is doing it but um i think that people are looking for that feeling of community as you say that um that coziness for lack of a better term and you know, I keep thinking, are there going to be, you know, how many single people can we have in one small town? But on the other hand, I look at shows like um, my husband and I are totally hooked on Death in Paradise on BritBox and or Acorn. I can't remember which. It's on one of those two British TV stations. And you think it's a little tiny town, San Maria, but there's a death, you know, there's murder every day, every yeah. week. And you don't think, oh, how weird. You just think, oh, man, something new, you know. And so I'm hoping that as you know, as I keep writing books in this town, people will continue to think, oh, cool. And another story from River's Edge, as opposed to how many single people can there be in one? Yeah. Town? <laughs> Sarah and I used to joke about that with Cozy Mysteries. She'd be like, how are all these murders happening in these cozy small towns? And nobody's thinking about like, wait a minute, maybe this isn't so safe. <laughs> I know, but look how long murder she wrote. Yeah, yeah. Stayed on the air with, you know, every week, Jessica had something new to to look at and or you know something new to explore and I'm like I think you know truthfully as long as I as long as there are people in my head saying Nan write my story and can we do it in River's Edge I will people so, just want to stay they want that coziness and we want to stay I we want so. to stay yeah I do I think people do want to stay and I think because also the secondary characters like Mac and Carly and you know they're and Noah and you know the people from the town are in every book pretty much and people from previous books turn up in in new books so they're like oh i want to find out what happened with so and so and look here they are you know like probably in this book that i'm writing now i don't think mac and carly will ever get married but i think maybe dot and noah might okay <laughs> so you know i'm thinking hmm, that would be a fun way to end this book so you know i don't know that i'm going to do that but the point is you know i these people that keep turning up in every story have a story too. And people are curious and interested, you know, mm -hmm. 
Great. And I think another part for me that makes it just feel so real is um, you do capture a lot of like the town and the area itself's like livelihood, like the river, you know, where a lot of the townsfolk, you know, work and operate and all of that. And it's just like, you really feel immersed. So is that all stuff that you're like conscious of or do you just kind of do it without even thinking? Like, <laughs> I, tr- I try really hard not to give everybody on the river, not to make them all attorneys and doctors, you know, because mm-hmm. that's not real. Um, but, you know, there's, I know that down there on the river, because I've been down there a million times, there's, you know, there's the bookstore, there's a bookstore, there's a hardware store, there's a diner, there's, you know, there is an attorney, there is um, an accountant, there's, um, there's a shipyard down the river a little ways where people work. Um, and you know that um, in the book I'm I'm working on now, the construction company lost the bid to build the car factory across the river in Kentucky. But they are trying to get the contract to build the housing that the Japanese car maker wants to build for his workers. So you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot going on even in a small town. And so you know, people work at Target, people work at the diner. You know. It's just everybody has a job. And, you know, I love like the little seams, peaceful quilt store. I love, you know, that was a fun little place to write. And it's going to come into play, I think, in the next book or the book after. I can't remember. But anyway, you know, there's there's so many little businesses in small towns. And every time I go down to the little town that this town is based on, I see something new. And I think, oh, yeah, I want to put that in. Well, we need yeah. you to make more trips to this um, this town <laughs> so we can keep, I, you know, River's Edge going. I just did a book signing in there in February, and I had so much fun. Oh, it's they are it's just the nicest town, and the people are so welcoming, and it was so much fun. So, well, as we are, you know, we're in May. We'll be transitioning to summer soon. Like, how are you? Like, you know, you're when you're not writing. Like, what are you you doing to like? enjoy enjoy the moment the moment enjoy the season like how are you taking care of yourself when you're not in river's edge (laughs) well it's i don't know if you've read enough of my blog to know that i in back in december i was diagnosed with heart failure and so um i'm going to the doctor a lot (laughs) she's she's uh she's working on a four drug protocol thing that's supposed to help reprogram my heart and um it's i I'm on them now. I'm not on the full dose of all of them yet because they've got to like ease me into ease it. Into it, yeah. Um, but it's it's it seems to be helping. I'm I feel stronger. I feel like I can make it through all the way through the day, which I hadn't been. Um, so you know, and I'm not getting breathless as easily. So it feels like it's working. But um, we opened the lake cottage up last just this past weekend um, on Wednesday and <laughs> stayed for a few days and did some work up there and. Um, I, I walk every day with my neighbor and she and I go to the gym and, and swim and, um, pretty soon we'll start swimming in the lake and we'll get the boat out and play on the water. So we do, you know, oh, and this is big news. It is our 50th anniversary this year. Happy anniversary. Thank you. So my mother who said, years. yes, my mother said to me when the night before I got married, she said, honey, I love you so much. I give this six months. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> 50 like, years later. Um, 50 years later, here we are. Um, it's funny because when I went out to California right before she passed, she said to me, I I need to say something to you. And I was like, oh, God help me. What is it? And she said, I was wrong. 
She said, whatever it is you're doing. At that point, we had been married like 22 or 23 years. And she said, whatever it is you're doing, you're doing it right. Good for oh, you. I love that. And I was, thanks, mom. <laughs> so anyway, um, we have that coming up and we're going to be, you know, I'm not sure what all the celebration is going to be, but we'll, you know, we'll be excited about that. And then in, uh, in July, I'm going to, my, my publisher, Thule Publishing, Jane Porter, is sponsoring a writer retreat for the Thule authors. And I'm going to go to um, California, down to near San Clemente. Oh, to, you are going to love it. To spend a few it. days with the Thule writers. And I'm going to get to meet my editor and all the team that works for us. I'm so excited because it is the most wonderful publishing company and the most wonderful team of people who work on our books. So I'm really excited to meet them. Plus a lot, I work I work on the team as well. I'm a copy editor. So I get to meet some of the authors I've edited. That so you've excited. edited for, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, so. Miss Jane P. She's, oh, she's she so rocks. Great. She is just, <laughs> I just adore her. She's so great. And she's just so supportive. It's just wonderful. I couldn't okay, have tell picked me, a better place. Tell me like what you've learned about love, about relationships, about marriage <laughs> in 50 years in 50 with someone. Years. Well, let's see. When I the day when I got married, my grandmother, who was well into dementia at that time, said to me two things. What you see is what you get. And if that's not who you want to spend the rest of your life with, do not walk down that aisle. Oh my God. Take note of that. Yes. And the second thing she said was keep that sense of humor. It's critical. Yeah. I'm so and glad you she, kept your sense of humor. <laughs> she was absolutely right about that as well. And I think the thing that I might add to that is pick your battles. Mm -hmm. um, because there are so many things that couples get into such a tizzy about that is just not worth arguing about. It's not worth the relationship, you know? And mm -hmm. so the relationship has to come first. And always, always remember that before anything else, you are man and wife, you are a couple or you're, you know, or, you know, wife and wife or husband and husband, whatever you are, the coupleness of you has to be the priority. And even when you're parenting, you have to remember that that coupleness is so important and to hang on to it because some people, some people lose themselves in parenting and it would be so easy to do. We only had one child and I, we had times when it was like all about him. I can't imagine having more than one. We tried, we didn't get to have any more than one, but uh, I just can't imagine how hard that would be and how easy it would be to let the marriage sit on the back burner. And you can't do that. The marriage, the relationship, whatever you call it, that's the number one thing. Cause you've, you know, you've promised each other that you're going to do this. Yeah. And so, and you know, and it's going to, there's going to be times when it sucks and times when it's the most amazing thing on earth. And as long as the most amazing times outweigh the sucks time, you're in pretty good shape. <laughs> outweighs the sucks time. <laughs> Such a nan <laughs> quote. I love it. That should be on a t-shirt, don't it you think? Should. <laughs> a tote bag because we're in our tote bag era. Oh, that's right. A tote bag. <laughs> well, I want to end off by like circling back to something you said in the beginning since we are, it, we are like celebrating Mother's Day. You said that you finally kind of, you kind, you finally got it. You finally understand the woman that your mom, your mom was. What, when did it click for you? What, what, what happened? I think, I think it probably clicked for me when writing became the most important thing because it was, it was like a little light bulb, it, not a light bulb. It was more like mom pointing at me and saying, I told you so. I told you. Yeah. I told you. I told you this is what was going to happen. And, you know, it may have taken a long time, but good for you, girly. And I think that is when I realized she never, ever wanted 
anything more than the very best for me or anything less than the very best for me and how much she loved me. You know, she was, she believed in me so strongly. She believed in you, Nan. Yes. Yes. And she knew this was going to happen. She knew it. And I, I never credited her with that until I had been, I think it was my second or third book was published. And I was like, oh my God, she was right. She was right. It's like, mom, you're right. You're right. You're always right. You're queen of all you see. So, you know. Oh man, that just, that free spiritedness, I just, is so inspiring because I feel like in, in today's world as women, I feel like we're just trying, not even necessarily trying, but like you have so many roles. Like you're just expected to do so many things and to just hear about mm-hmm. someone, like you said, like probably born a, like 20 years too early who just <laughs> yes. was like unabashedly themselves. It's like, yes, that's the goal. I feel like that's yep. the goal. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I think we have a tendency to be women, especially I have a tendency to be pleasers. And I've, I've been a pleaser my whole life. And I'm learning that, you know, maybe I don't have to please everybody all the time. Sometimes I can just please me and it'll be okay. Yes. And on that note, everybody, Nan Reinhardt (laughs) is a fucking rock star. Oh, oh, bless you. (laughs) Thank you. That's the first time anyone's ever referred to me as that. And thank you. I am. I tell you every time we talk, like you just get cooler and cooler every time we talk. (laughs) I love talking to you. (laughs) I love talking to you. It's so much fun. So you're working on your, are you currently working on book two or is oh, no, no. turned in? You're working on book three. Actually book three is done. They're all turned in. They're the Weaver sisters are in. all turned in. They're all on the Thule website and on my website. Um, you can pre-order the second one right now. It comes out August 30th and the third one comes out, I think it's October 23rd. It's not up for pre-order yet, but I'm actually what I'm actually doing the copy edits on it, right? I'm going through the copy edits. They, they, uh, Thule team just sent it back to me from the copy editor. So I'm doing that right now. And I'm writing book one in the next series, which won't come out until like April of 2024, I think. Okay. I don't want Miss Jane P to yell at us, but can you give us any hints about the new series? Anything? Uh, Well, I can tell you that it's Elias's brother and cousins, the Walker family. Mm, Okay. Um, Jack is his brother and Cameron and Joey and Annabelle are his cousins. And they're all involved in the Walker construction family business. Okay. So when you said that, okay, this is the new series. This is the new series. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The new book is Jack's, the first book is Jack's book. And he's, uh, he's having a little trouble with the company and he needs some help. And the person who can help him the most is not, is someone he's so attracted to. He doesn't want to hire her, but he has to. So (laughs) there's some conflict for you there. We'll hint, we'll hint. Well, thank you for um, hanging out with me on Mother's Day today, t- sharing oh, your time with me. Oh, such a good time. You'll have to come back. You have a book coming out in August, so have, yep. we'll set the date. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. This I can't wait for you to read the next book. I'm really excited for you to read it because it's um it's just a tiny little bit of magic going on, and it's a little tiny bit different. And we so. all need a little tiny bit of magic right now. We so do. I can't we wait, do. man. I just love right. your snarkiness. I love your dialogue, <laughs> your banter. I'm ready. I'm ready. Listeners, Fabulous. check the show notes. You know I will have links to all the places you can keep up with Nan Reinhardt. If you have not read Home to River's Edge, I'll have links to it. Go get your copy. Go read it and be prepared for August. <laughs> We're in our small town <laughs> romance era, people. We Go are to River's Edge. <laughs> I hope everybody does because it's such a great place. <laughs>